0: Marlin's magic number is zero. The Marlins have clinched a postseason berth in 2023. They are in the wild card. Not sure what seeding. One game to play, and we're going to find out what seed the Marlins end up taking. But fundamentally, the Marlins won, and they are in. This is Locked On Marlins. You are locked on Marlins. Your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings from England, and welcome to Lockdown Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast, and this is a bonus Sunday episode, but a necessary one. I am your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up. Of course, at Miami Marlins underscore UK, if you are listening to the pod. Firstly, thank you. Good morning. Good afternoon. Hit subscribe. This podcast is available everywhere. It's your team every day, and thanks for making Lockdown Marlins your first listen of the Day. There is a YouTube channel also guys head on over there hit subscribe also join the comments as well A lot of people engaging a lot of excited fans and the reason the fans are excited the marlins win on saturday evening's game Meaning that they clinch a postseason berth for the first time in a 162 season for 20 years Yes, the miami marlins have made it and they have deserved it. No doubt about it this season has had so much, so a sluggish start. Jazz Chisholm Jr. coming out on Twitter. Don't panic, guys. We're only eight games in. We haven't seen him on Twitter since. (laughs) I wonder if he does come back um, onto Twitter and just kind of pick up from where he left off off at that point. But, you know, Jazz with his don't panic situation, then the Marlins start to get hot. You get a bit of voodoo against the Bravos. I think that was the first little indicator of the voodoo where they get that five-run ninth inning in April. Got the dub, got them back to 500 at that point. Then they go on the run, 14 games over 500. Then after the All-Star break, things go into reverse gear for these Marlins. Then the deadline comes. Kim Ang absolutely delivers. Then, the schedule, brutal as it may be. And the Marlins had to really force their way through. Injuries happening left, right, and center. Yuri Perez running out of innings. In the end, the Marlins, they find a way to get it done. And as we head into this evening's game, the final game, one six one for the Marlins, we'll talk about one six two a bit later on. But as we head into this one, first of all, we have no idea who is starting uh, in terms of the pitching. We have no idea who will be starting in terms of the position players. What we do know is that everyone was in high spirits yesterday evening, so there could be a few hangovers. I don't know. I don't know. Is everyone going to get absolutely loose considering there's like a huge game coming up on Tuesday? I don't know. I don't know. But either way, whatever works for you guys. But the Marlins are playing this evening. Everyone is playing at the same time. The Arizona Diamondbacks uh, equally playing. They are playing against the Astros. Uh, The Astros are now in uh, in terms of the postseason. So I'm interested to see just generally how this all plays out, which lineups are out there you know, which backups are going. But if the Marlins win this evening against what will likely be probably a similar situation with the Pirates pitching-wise, <coughs> considering Mitch Keller is down, then the Marlins will actually be the five seed. They're going to be the fifth seed in the NL, meaning that on Tuesday, when they open up their wildcard series, it will be on the road in Philadelphia. Um, If they are to lose today, and also the Diamondbacks win, then the Marlins will be heading on the road, of course, but to Milwaukee. Felt like we've been looking at that Milwaukee series as the most likely one for some time. I did call it out last week to say, keep your eye on the Diamondbacks, though. I knew they had this tough finish with the Astros, and the Astros playing for something. So, if the Marlins kept winning, there was a chance they could overtake the Diamondbacks, and that could, that could come into fruition right now. And, You then, I mean, I talked about it on yesterday's pod and maybe the day before, too. The Marlins have made it. They shouldn't just be thankful they've made it. They have earned it. They've deserved it. This team has been great. Um, And and, and as, as someone that watches every single game and follows every single game, trust me, this Marlins team has been great in its own way. It isn't the type of greatness like the Atlanta Braves where they are just blowing teams away. That kind of sexy offense where you're like putting up home run after home run after home run. No. This Marlins team is built different. It's built in a way where it's designed to try and keep games close and then never, it just never quits. Bullpen's been nails and then some voodoo, some situational hitting, all sorts of stuff going on in ladder innings. The Marlins have been, I think they're, they're the history makers this year in terms of comeback wins when trailing by three runs or more heading into the eighth inning or something along those lines. So, like, this team has fundamentally found ways to win. They've got the clubhouse culture. They've got the clubhouse mix absolutely nailed on. Nailed on. The vibes have been high since day one. There's been a, an obvious culture shift. That culture shift has been driven by Skip Schumacher and his stunning staff. Skip Schumacher has been the difference maker for the Marlins in 23. It's sometimes hard to measure things like this because clearly Skip Schumacher isn't out there on the field taking at-bats or throwing any innings. But I, I just can sense it. I can feel it. And you can see it after the game yesterday. Skip Schumacher has been the difference maker. And his staff. It isn't just Skip. It is the staff also. Mel's always been a stud. We've known it. But offensively, it felt for years that the Marlins struggled offensively, making adjustments, finding ways to get the big hits in the big spots. And Brant Brown, boy, oh boy, he leaves no stone unturned. Not a single stone unturned. These are the difference makers. This is the difference maker, where you've got a staff around a group of players that are talented, and they are able to find ways to extract extra performance. Guys are overperforming in parts. A lot of the guys you look and you go, Luis Arias, career year. Solaire near to career year. Brian De La Cruz, Jesus Sanchez, taking a step forward. Jazz Jism Jr., probably career year. Jake Berger, since he's arrived in Miami, career year. Josh Bell, since he's arrived in Miami, yeah, close to career year. Okay. Not everyone can be uh, fully, fully fixed, I guess. I mean, but we have seen little little kind of blitzes from, from Jacob Stallings. But I think you got to also look at the backups as well and the type of impact these backups and bench players and role players have made. No greater. They already had John Birdie in house anyway, but no greater than Garrett Hampson. Garrett Hampson, he's been a difference maker for this club. He's impacted the club. He plays in every position. I think he's, it's only he hasn't pitched an inning and he hasn't caught an inning. Other than that, I think he's been everywhere else stunning, stunning kind of production they're able to get out of that. And let's not remember, let's not remember, let's not forget the trade to go and get Jonathan Davis. Jazz Chisholm Jr. goes down. They need a center fielder. Kim Ang somehow finds a way to get Jonathan Davis. He comes in and has a huge impact on this club too. Um, at the time when Jonathan Davis then goes down, you know, that, it, it felt like a bit of a time where things started to kind of wobble a touch because his impact had been so great. And I was asking the question at that point, thinking, as we head into 24, and with Jonathan Davis here looking immense defensively, by the way, in center field, with Jonathan Davis here looking so good in center field, do we legitimately consider whether Jazz Chisholm Jr. moves back to the infield? Maybe look to even fill a void at shortstop. Wait to see how this all plays out. And, you know, shortstop will be one of the main off-season priorities for the Marlins, clearly. But, again, going back to this the Marlins, they the guys have performed. Pitching wise, it's been a bit of a different story. But I think a lot of that is driven by a lot of the rule changes, too. Where particularly Sandy, who had a career year, obviously coming off a Cy Young campaign, you know, it was always likely it was going to go slightly backwards. Um, you know, just it, it feels unsustainable. But also, like these rule changes, it's gonna take a little bit of time for our view of excellence. To rebalance itself. A little bit like stolen bases. A lot of people looking at Ronald Acuna going, Wait, 40-70, that's insane. But we don't quite know how, how insane that is until we've had multiple years with these rules in play. Right now, you know, comparing to the historical statistics, then yeah, 40-70. Insane. But does 70 bags start to become the norm? Or, you know, a good, you know, John Birdie last year, 40. Forty-one bags, whatever it might be, you know. If John Birdie was running again this year, would he have stolen seventy? I don't know. And that's the kind of point is it's hard to make some some uh, judgments really on some of these some of these pitchers and maybe some of these hitters. But from the eye test, it feels like a lot of the guys have really kicked on um, for certain. And again, going back to the point I was making, this all starts with skip, but the skip higher all starts with Kim Ang. Kim Ang was the one that identified Skip. And I could tell hearing um, Kim speak about the hiring at the time, I could tell that, you know, Kim was all in. All in on, on Skip immediately. And it was one of those where you then have to get him back in. He's then got to meet with Bruce Sherman. And he's got to sell it again to Bruce Sherman. And obviously he did a good job, as you'd imagine. Um, That's clearly one of his key attributes, right? Just an absolute stud of a communicator. The players, they know where they're at. I think that's it, right? They're just, there's an understanding and a flow of information that helps everyone to understand what's happening and why, etc. And I think the Joey Wendell situation is like the most obvious personification of that, where Joey Wendell, clearly a big senior clubhouse leader he's been leading everything post-game as we saw it again yesterday Joey Wendell he hasn't performed as he wanted Skip Schumacher's had the conversation the difficult one Joey Wendell buys into that he's all in because he's a pro too and you know it's just it's just an impressive way of going about business and it's fundamentally down to the way he communicates with his players with his staff and it's leading to I mean it's leaning it, leaning it to success, I guess. I mean, this is as you know, a barometer of success is getting to the postseason. Five hundred ball was probably some people's barometer of success. I've always said, like for me, it's do you make the the, the playoffs or not? That's the true barometer because five hundred and no no postseason, it's a failure in 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 reality. So yeah, boys, 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 boys. What's what a season? What a season it's been following these Marlins. What a weekend it's been. What a last couple of weeks it's been. The Marlins, it's kind of to and fro, to and fro. Are they going to get in all this chaos happening in New York? But when it came down to it, they found a way to face into adversity, linked to no sleep, no, again, bullpen game yesterday, struggling for innings, struggling for starters. But the Marlins, they handled their own business. Okay. It's only against the Pirates, but... They've handled their own business all the way through September. I look at all the series they faced and all the series they played. They've been winning series against all the teams they're about to be playing in the, in the postseason. So the Marlins have had to do it the tough way. They've had no Sandy. Yuri's been shut down. You know, it's, it's so hard for them. Urias has been on one leg for the last couple of weeks. Soler's missed a bunch of time. Burger's struggling. Bell's struggling. Everyone's struggling. The whole league is struggling, but the Marlins are finding ways to get it done. And they do get it done, guys. Their magic number is zero, and they are in. One final game, one one full final game remaining. So we'll look forward to that one. Everyone starting at the same time, and all the eyeballs will be on the seedings. I do wonder if the Marlins, you know, how they, how they play it. They'll play this game. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to be a let's throw the game situation, but... I do wonder if they have a preference. They probably do have a preference. And if if I was if I had a preference, mine would be they face the Brewers because then they face the Dodgers and you avoid the Braves until later on. The Braves could get knocked out along the way. I I'd want to evade, avoid the Braves for as long as possible because frankly, the Braves they are the best team in the NL by some distance, in my opinion. Particularly if they get you know some quality starts out of um, Max Reed, Spencer Strider. I know they're kind of trying to piece together their third starter, but Early on in the postseason, it kind of doesn't really matter. I do think if if the Marlins can find a way to get past the Brewers, find a way to get past the Dodgers, they'll look at the Braves in a seven-game series and think, "Could could we take them? Could we take them? Have they run out of arms? I mean, the Braves will be looking at the Marlins going, we should be taking them. So I guess it goes two ways on that front. But let's do first out of the day. It's our good friends over at Sleeper. Um, we'll talk about them, and then we'll carry on this conversation, guys. Um, you could probably tell as well. The voice, it's kind of gone. Well, it's husky anyway. Oh, that was a long day at the wedding yesterday. I had a lot of beers. I was I was definitely boozed up. But, you know, I'm plowing through. The MLB playoffs are around the corner, which means the clock is ticking on your chance to 100 times your cash on daily fantasy baseball. Baseball has never been more exciting than it is now, with studs like Acuna Betts, and Otani. Pick more or less on stats for these stars like home runs, hits, strikeouts, and more for up to 100 times payout on Sleeper. You get your picks right and you could win big time. You need to use this promo code, and this promo code is locked on, and you'll get up to 100 bucks matched on your first deposit. In terms apply. Uh, see Sleeper's terms of use for details. Ah, welcome back, guys. You are joining me, Peter Pratt, on Sunday's episode of Locked On Marlins on the first of October, yes sir the Marlins are continuing to play baseball into October Magic number is zero seedings to be determined um but we will find that out in the very very near future there's also some uncertainty around this New York game that's you know the Marlins are leading in but there's some reporting by Bob Nightingale, Craig Mish. Seemingly backing that up And no official statement around this So I mean I'm always anxious To to go to Bob Nightingale For for any kind of clarity on any situation But it appears that Bob uh, Bob is calling it out To say that the Major League Baseball Have acknowledged that There's no reason for the Marlins to return back To New York um, There may still be a seeding requirement Depending on how these games go Where this one game This one result could flip the way the teams go. If the Marlins you know, lose today, the Diamondbacks um, win today, then that one game, if the Marlins were to win it, I think they would then jump back up. But it sounds like this game isn't going to be played or it's not going to be continued because it doesn't affect the fact that the Marlins are in the postseason. And I think from a seeding perspective, well, what I think by the rule book anyway, the only way to actually handle this would be to roll this one back to the end of the eighth inning, which was the final completed inning, and the Marlins take an L. I think that's the only way, looking at the rules, that that is how they can handle this situation. So the Marlins end up losing that game, but um, you know it may or may not impact the situation. But fundamentally, the Marlins will not be going back to New York, which is obviously a blessing, because you know after this game today on on Sunday they'll likely want to travel. Well, they not likely will. They will travel to whichever destination they need to go to. And frankly, Major League Baseball needs to know where all these other clubs are going. I think that's kind of part of it really here because the Marlins are already in, the Diamondbacks already in. They need to give the clubs involved in this the best opportunity to prepare for the games. They can't have it where the Marlins then have to fly to New York, play a game in New York, The result could go one of two ways, then means that not only the Marlins are impacted, but also the Diamondbacks, also the Phillies, also the Brewers, because they don't know who they're playing. They don't know who they're preparing for. It's all a bit of a farce. And so I think Major League Baseball have probably made the right call here, just saying, you know, listen, this game won't be played. There's no need for the Marlins to go there. In the record books, it may say that the Marlins lost that one, one, one nil. And if that is the case, likely the Marlins end up in the sixth seed. No, I don't know what's going on. But either way, I knew that the Marlins wouldn't be back there. I knew they would have clinched before. And I knew that they'd find a way to not have to need this game. It'd be very different if the Marlins needed it to actually get in. And I completely understood that. But I always felt the Marlins would come out of this weekend having already clinched. And thus, returning back to New York for four outs just made no sense. Particularly when you're trying to travel and get everything ready. Looking ahead to the wild card as well, guys. Uh, the, the, the times aren't yet confirmed on that one so we'll wait to see but you've got four games going four games going in this wild card so it's going to be you know amazing viewing for not just the fans involved but like for everyone i remember that that wild card covid uh situation where i think there was eight games scattered through one single day all with like an hour gap it was just amazing viewing amazing viewing and so there's kind of going to be similar vibes to that four games it looks like scatter through the day, you do have to kind of wonder with the Marlins and their kind of relatively small fan base in comparison to others, you know, where the Marlins in terms of time slot will fit in. The Rays equally will be in the wild card as well. So I do wonder if, you know, the Rays or Marlins are maybe the first team, um, the first teams that are playing, probably the Rays, but, you know, we'll wait to see on that. The Twins are also through, the Phils, of course, the Brewers, you know, so it, it's it's possible from a selfish perspective that the Marlins end up with a relatively UK-friendly start time, which is where I'm going at with this one. The Marlins may be starting UK-ish friendly, so I can actually watch these games. These games will be happening on the road, either in Philadelphia or Milwaukee. We know that. If they make it through, the question then comes and has been put to me many, many times on Twitter over the past few weeks, uh, both openly via DMs, via text, you name it, people are saying, Pete, are you going to come? Are you going to come to Miami if the Marlins get through? They will have at least one home game if they make it through to the NLDS. They will start on the road for two, they will return for two, and then back on the road uh, for the final one because it's a five-game series in the NLDS. And so the question is, will I make it out there? Before we talk about that, let's talk about our good friends over at DoorDash. <laughs> um, and guys, If you are looking and loving the convenience of getting what you want right to your door with DoorDash Grocery Delivery, you can stock up for the week or order last minute. Cravings conveniently, um, if you've trusted, and probably many of you have, DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites. Now you can get grocery delivery that actually delivers too. They have thousands of grocery stores to choose from. You'll find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. Want even more value? Want even more value, he asks. Well, you can save on all your grocery and restaurant favorites with $0 delivery uh, on all eligible orders with a Dash Pass membership. You can get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to $20 value when you use the code LOCKEDONMLB at checkout. Limited time offer, terms do apply. That's 50% off, up to 20 bucks, no minimum subtotal and 0 Delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code LOCKEDONMLB. All right, you are joining myself, Peter Pratt, host of Locked On Marlins. Yes, a British host of Locked On Marlins. Doesn't matter. We're all, it's a global team and global fan base, and we are all celebrating the Marlins magic number down to zero. They are in. They needed to win, and they are in. One final topic for today. Brian Hoeing didn't pitch yesterday. So I think Brian Hoeing is going to be pitching today. I'm really intrigued to see how they, how they kind of piece the pitching together. You know, Matt Moore, ideally if they can get like an inning or two out of Matt Moore would be great too. Um, You know, but it's going to be very intriguing. They're clearly not going to want to use any of their main studs, Um, but obviously had to use, you know, decent number of arms yesterday. So, you know, I I think there's a decent shot. You, you get a, a good sprinkling of Johnny Cueto as well for a couple of innings here as well, because, I'm not convinced that Johnny Cueto is going to be utilized that much into the postseason and into this wildcard series. He's definitely not going to be starting a game. So I do wonder if there's a little bit of hoeing, a little bit of Matt Moore, a little bit of Johnny Cueto, um, just trying to piece it together, maybe sprinkle in a bit of Jacob Stallings at the back end. Like, I mean, who knows? Who knows here? One thing I did want to call out, just on a milestone perspective, as you know, I have been... I've been closely tracking the Jazz Chisholm Jr. season. 40 40 tracker. Uh, unfortunately, not going to quite get to the 40 40 mark. However, Jazz, with his home run last night, goes to 19 home runs. He's on 22 stolen bags. He's one home run short of a 2020 season, uh, having played, I think, slightly less than 100 games uh, once all said and done. So, you know, we the Marlins clearly need to be cautious with all the guys, but. The roster, it's not unlimited roster, so guys are going to have to play, right? Um, and I do think with Jazz, the one thing I would say is he's looked really healthy since he's been back. Really healthy. Like, we're talking about a lot of the other guys. It doesn't appear like there's any kind of niggles or anything with Jazz. He also will be, he'll know that he's one shy of 20. Um, and I think there's a really strong chance that Jazz Jr. is back out there today. I think he'll want to play. He'll want to be out there, um, and he'll be gunning for that home run. I don't think you see any bunt attempts at all from Jazz today. I think he is going to be looking and seeking um, a serious moonshot, looking for that 20. I don't think you'll see any stolen bags from Jazz, so I think the 22 will stay as is. Um, And I think, you know, looking uh, where we go today in terms of, like, who should be playing, you know, I, you know I, clearly you probably think Guriel should be in there. Um, Xavier Edwards should be in there starting. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of guys that have all chipped in along the way. But I think Joey Wendell should be starting too. You get Wendell, you got Xavier Edwards, you probably got Guriel. Not sure who plays third base. Whether they want Burger, but with his quad situation, you know, maybe they they ask Birdie to go over to third or Hampson. Um, Hampson could need to play in the outfield. I guess I don't know. It depends, but we'll see how it goes the end of the day, the Marlins, they're looking to get through this game unscathed. I think that's the most important thing. And I do wonder, I do wonder if they do have a preference. Like, if they're looking at this game and thinking, we really want the five seed. Um, if that's the mentality, like, we really want to go to Philly. Um, you know, I think that's going to be really intriguing. Um, I don't think you'll, I don't think you'll ever get an answer out of them in that on that topic in terms of whether there was a route they preferred. But... You know, if you look down one route, it will be a divisional route where you'll have the Marlins, Phillies, and the winner taking on the Bravos. <clears throat> Is in division more preferable? I'd probably say not, to be honest. Like, I know there's, you know, you end up, both clubs know each other pretty well. But I would say, considering the way Brad Brown prepares and prepares his guys, I would say that there's probably more value in facing less familiar clubs. Because that's where you've got maybe the competitive edge with Brant Brown, with his staff, with Skip Schumacher. Like when it just it allows him to deliver his maybe his magic source to the guys. I don't know. I don't know, and I, I don't think you'll ever find out, really. You know, we'll, the Marlins will play today. We know there's going to be a lot of starters rested. Interested to see if Luis Arias takes you know any kind of part in this game. Um, I would assume not. He's obviously really struggling at this point, as I said on yesterday's episode. You know, I didn't expect to see him out there yesterday. I thought, let's rest him, let's hope he's not needed. Um, and he can then kind of rest up fully until Tuesday. And we'll see. Like, can Luis Arrias handle second base? I-, I think he can obviously stand out there and swing a bat. We saw him pinch hitting. The question is, is can he handle second base? If he can't handle second base, then that's a really intriguing situation here for the fish. Uh, particularly with you know, trying to avoid Soler out in the in you know in the outfield. Um but You know, time will tell on that front, Um, you know, where we're up to with Luis Arias. I think if he can handle second, play it effectively, that really does help the fish because you've then got Soler, allows you to continue using uh, Jesus Sanchez, obviously, in right field as well. Guys, that's been a lot of fun. As you can tell, I'm extremely hungover. I think the Marlins players and staff and everyone should be extremely hungover too. Um, You know, what what a day, what an evening, uh, and what a season for the Marlins. They, no one could look at this season like they did in like... I mean, the COVID year, the 2020 year, was very special as well for the Marlins for, for very different reasons, but similar, where they just found ways to win with guys that you'd barely known and guys that were like just being scooped up off the street. It was a very different kind of vibe. Um, but when you look at the talent that was actually on the roster, it was it, it wasn't the most talented group. When you look at the talent on this roster you you know the Marlins have got there in a 162 season and they may not have been the highest scoring offense but they've been a clutch offense and when you've needed the bullpen they've been a really good bullpen in clutch situations so that's been the core of this club clutch hitting at the back end of games and a really solid bullpen or nails nails as we call it this club is in miles better shape than it was in 2020. 2020 was fun in its own way, but 2023, the Marlins have deserved it. They found ways to win, and it's all being driven by the difference maker in Skip Schumacher and his staff, and Kim Ang, and we we can't forget Kim Ang expiring contract at the end of this year. Well, her current contract expires at the end of this year. I mentioned on this part a few weeks back uh, from some, some comments that Bruce Sherman made. I already get the sense that There's an agreement in principle, an agreement in place for Kim Ang to remain with the Marlins uh, headed beyond 2023. Um, Clearly, I think at this point, uh, everyone would be on board with that decision. The question is, is is Kim uh, fully committed to the Marlins and wanting to remain with the Marlins or in search of a new project? Um, I frankly think that it's a perfect fit. The club continues to ascend under Kim's stewardship for sure. It's a big off season coming, some pieces to to fill obviously. Every club's going to have pieces to fill but coming off best regular season for 20 years give or take into the post season who knows how deep they go then you know clearly there's a lot of eyeballs going to be looking at Kim Ang and thinking could she could she impact our club in a different way? There's going to be suitors for Kim Ang. People are going to be calling, working out, "Hey Kim, got this opportunity, what do you think?" <clears throat> Payroll, the payroll constraints may not be as uh, tight potentially as they are with uh, with the Marlins, but something I think Craig Mish called out as well on, on Twitter yesterday, yesterday evening, talking about Bruce Sherman, how Bruce at the early stages set out to say there is money to spend and we will spend it. And if we're in it, we will add, we will look to take on payroll. We will look to make some moves. And Craig rightly called out that Bruce was absolutely dead on with his word. He committed to that. He gave Kim the opportunity to make the deals, go and get the tools for Skip. And frankly, you know, Kim's nailed it. She, as from a trade perspective, she's been almost flawless, I would say, with the Marlins. It's really incredible, incredible job that Kim Ang has done, no doubt. Guys, it's going to wrap us up for Sunday's episode, a bonus episode, but I had to jump on. Magic number is zero. The Marlins win, and they are in! We'll wait to see what seed and what team they'll be facing off against on Tuesday's uh, wild card game one. We'll look forward to that one. We'll look forward to the timings as well. Hopefully there's a UK-friendly game or two sprinkled in. But the Marlins are in, and I'm pretty sure that both the Brewers and Phillies will be worried and concerned about facing the Marlins. And we'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow. See you then.